If you only had one minute to give music artists the best music marketing advice you could possibly give them, what would you say? You can't get away with just putting out a music video and uploading like, you know, TikTok formatted clips and expect it to take off. It might if the music video is like cool, but that doesn't matter anymore. What matters more is, is the song gonna connect with people? What's the message? And for the instrumental artists, you can still have that in your content. Do you mean to tell me you want people to pay you money to post content and be responsible enough to keep up with it? Like you can't even keep up with your own Instagram and Spotify or Instagram and, and TikTok, you know what I mean? So it's like, you're just adding even more pressure. Now you're playing with people's money at that point. Respond to all the comments on there. Make memes and share them in these fan groups because those get a ton of engagement. I would say be yourself for one two, keeping yourself, and three, keeping yourself. The reason being is that what makes music marketing successful now is the artistry itself. There's no hack, there's no playlist you need to be on, there's no blog you need to be featured on. You literally just have to post on TikTok and be yourself, and that is the best fucking marketing advice. Can I cuss on this? That is the best fucking marketing advice. I'm gonna still cuss. <laughs> yeah, swearing is allowed. So okay. awesome. That is awesome advice. Um, yeah. So you, you've done a bunch of cool things. Uh, you have a pretty big TikTok following that when you talk about music marketing. So if, if, if you've never heard of Anthony here, go check him out on TikTok. There'll be a, there'll be some links below, um, but you'll be able to find him through whatever links we put down there. Uh, you've worked with a whole bunch of artists over the years and you do, you talk about a whole bunch of things, but, uh, I think we'll start with, in terms of marketing strategies, when it comes between like organic or free versus paid or different types of organic methods or different types of paids, like ads, different ad platforms, like where do you think someone should start if they're coming at this with a new, fairly new project? Yeah, when you're coming at this with a new project, it's a little confusing and I can totally relate to that because to provide some context, I was a musician before I worked in in, music, in the music business and did music marketing for various different artists. And when I was first starting, I just did not know what to do. All I knew is that you had to play shows, you had to do MySpace, I, I don't even know, something back in the day, right? So it, it's just super confusing. And now like you, you put it in, in a great neat little bow, it's either organic or paid. And the thing with musicians, like, most of us are working on a shoestring budget, especially to start. So if you have literally zero money or less than a thousand dollars to put towards marketing, then probably organic is your best bet. And organic is just you posting on social media, going into the trenches on Reddit where your genre is at and talking to people, not blasting them to tell them like, Hey, check out my music, but like start getting involved in these communities, start, you know, saucing people up and being like, Hey, like, you know, you like this artist, I like them too. And just have like real conversations with people. It's like networking in real life, but online, that was actually one of the biggest strategies that I did for my own music. And I was in a rock band called dwellings that's currently signed to tragic hero records. And they just put out their second billboard charting album. The first one I was a part of the second one, I was not because I fell in love, had kids and now I do music marketing and the, the success for that band was definitely because I did a lot of that foundational, you know, soul searching in the beginning, as far as like making sure yeah. we we're defining the right marketing channels, which was organic, just interacting with people online, being really active in Facebook groups, Reddit, Discord, et cetera. 
and just talking to relevant fans that we wanted to reach. So again, I would say start with organic. And then once you get the hang of it and you're actually committed to putting music out frequently, because there's no point in dropping thousands of dollars on paid media, if you're just going to drop one song, find out music isn't for you. And then you're, you know, X amount of dollars in debt or whatever. So yeah, just start with organic. That's literally the, the easiest thing you can do and the best thing you can do in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's great advice and probably specifically for people who watch my channel because I talk a lot about ads and uh, I, I don't always remind people enough that organic's a thing that you should also do. It's not that ads replace your organic. In fact, like my general recommendation would probably be when you're new, assuming you, you have time, like you should start the organic route first so you can actually figure out the content that works best because your ads are just content that's being pushed out to more people. And so if your your content sucks, chances are your ads suck. <laughs> um, and also it kind of gives you some time to put out music, see what people are saying, interact with fans in like a smaller level, and then get into the ads. But some people see the ads as a replacement where oh, I don't have time to do all this stuff. I can just do ads. And I think there's something to be said for like the ads can replace like you whoring yourself out on social media like three times a day. So maybe you're posting a few times a week and you're doing ads. But I think you're missing out on a huge bunch of like no one's going to follow you if you don't put out any content and your ads are going to suck if you don't put out content. So is that is that your perspective as well on the whole organic slash ads combo? Yeah, my perspective on the whole ads versus organic thing is that they definitely work together. You you can have one but not the other when it comes to organic. Like you can have organic but not paid, but I don't think you can have paid and not organic. And the reason why is because for one, you're investing hundreds if not thousands of dollars to drive thousands of people to your Instagram you mean to tell me you're not going to post anything like and I see I've, I've rejected clients because of that they're like yo I don't have time to post so I just want the ads to do all the growth for me and it's like dude we're sending thousands of people over to your Instagram you know whether they're converting through like a reel or a story to go to Spotify but that there's they might follow you you know there's still that chance and we hope that they would follow you that it's kind of like a two-pronged approach right you're growing the dsp side and you're also growing the socials but if you're driving so many people to your channel you know instagram or facebook or tiktok if you're advertising on those platforms why are you not going to pay attention to your organic content strategy and you said it best like if your ads aren't performing well, it's because your organic content isn't doing well. And I, I forgot what Gary V referred to it as. I think it's like brandification or TikTokification of like all the social platforms out there. And I'm glad that someone in like the regular marketing space is kind of putting a name to this. I obviously can't remember it, but I'll, I'll try to look for it once Andrew starts talking again. But <laughs> essentially, I've explained this to clients since like the dawn of time when I first started doing music marketing back in since 2020 and essentially organic social is like where you can do your split testing and your AB testing for free, right? So if you yeah. post 30 different content pieces and people are going to like raise their eyebrows like what the fuck 30, that's nothing. 30 content yeah. pieces <laughs> over the span of a month or half a month, whatever, take the five best performing ones that did well organically, I guarantee you those will convert better than anything else that you're going to try to do just testing out via paid. For one, it's going to save you money. And two, you're also 
getting in the zone and the habit of posting consistently on organic. So, and I still think yeah. organic takes you way farther than uh, paid media anyway. And that's not to, you know, talk down on what Andrew and I do for a living. Cause that's how we make our living talking about ads and whatnot. But I just think there's such like an importance to organic content. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. I, there, there's nothing else I could say towards that. Right. Right. And the, the whole idea about using your social channels as a way to test ads is, is very real. In fact, I don't know for a fact, but I can think of like the, the top probably five people that have the best performance in ads that I do consultant consultations with. That's how they test their ads. They're just reels or TikToks that performed well that they picked from the litter and added to an ad campaign. And um, I don't know if it's actually the top five, but I can think of specifically three people who are consistently the best, have the best performing ads of anyone I've talked to. And that's how they pick their ads. Uh, and I interviewed one of them, Tia T and Ryan McMahon. So um, if I remember, I'll put a little little thing there you can click on to watch that interview. But like they have a whole bunch of campaigns doing like sub 15 cents per conversion in tier one, tier two countries, which is like awesome. Like they have an eight cent to conversion campaign that's been running for like a year. <laughs> and it's just like a, a well-performing reel. And that's all it was. It was just a stupid social media post of the artist hanging out the back of a car, lip syncing the song with the sunset behind them. It, they probably filmed it in less than 30 seconds. Jeez. Um, and most of their ads like that. They like every time I show it to someone, they're like, that ad does good. They're like, it just looks like a random social media post. I'm like, that's right. kind of the that's kind of the point. <laughs> it's supposed to look like a random social media post because it is. No, yeah. Like it, I, I read the study like Gen Z, which I want to say is kind of like who you should be marketing towards. Like if you're a singer, songwriter, rapper, rock artist, pretty much most genres appeal to Gen Z and they're kind of like the future anyway. So like you should be paying attention to what they like. But I read the study to where they value authenticity more than anything and being real yeah. and things looking and feeling organic. Like I think Snapchat, you know, was, was big for me and I, I graduated high school in 2015. I think I found out now that I'm part of Gen Z, I always thought I was a millennial. I was born in 1997. So this like blew my mind because I've been called a millennial many a times. But um, you must be like the first, like one of the like first year or two. You're one of the oldest Gen Zers probably. Yeah. And that's fucking dope. Like because I'm in that like awkward stage to where I'm like, yeah, fuck what the kids are doing. But then I'm also like, yeah, I know what the cool kids are doing at the same time. That might change eventually, but um, <laughs> God only knows. But I, I just saw that they value that so much. And I, I think I started to notice that subconsciously in high school when like Snapchat was a thing. And, you know, we were posting these five, 10 second clips that were just like in the moment type of things, or even like with Vine, RIP, like it was just like a bunch of in the moment stuff, which that kind of falls in with the whole authenticity thing. It's just you being your authentic self, yeah. posting short form content or posting smaller clips on there. And it's translating to the music industry now. Damon Keys and a bunch of other, you know, marketing gurus are saying the music video is now dead. It died back in 2019. Like you're just now realizing that guys like, no, it's been dead for a while. Yeah. Like short form content, live content, UGC, like even with major brands, like they understand like that's it. Like that's the key here. You can't get away with just putting out a music video and uploading like, you know, 
TikTok formatted clips and expect it to take off. It might if the music video is like yeah. cool, but that doesn't matter anymore. What matters more is, is the song going to connect with people? What's the message? And for the instrumental artists, you can still have that in your content. Like literally, I have I work with a pop punk band. This is an instrumental, but literally their best performing had that I've been running. And I posted about this a couple of weeks back on my TikTok was literally the vocalist being like, this is the best riff I've ever written. And then he starts just playing the riff. And it's an instrumental part of the song. And that's a great top of funnel strategy to get people over to the DSP side and then eventually retarget them for like merch and things like that. So again, organic content, mm -hmm. like you, you just can't ignore it. Like that's the key to success yeah. nowadays. Yeah. Unfortunately, it does take a lot of time, although there, there's definitely ways to make it faster. And the ways that I've said, yes, yes, yes. that are um, I, one one is recommended from uh, All About Helping. I don't know if you've ever seen his stuff. Yeah. Um, but I interviewed him and his recommendation was the whole 30 to 50 pieces of social media content per song. Like all of us are kind of been saying for a while, but um, his, his kind of strategy is have the artist go to a couple cool spots, like maybe an abandoned warehouse, uh, the top of a mountain at the beach, like whatever three parts make sense for the song and the brand and whatever, have the artist perform the song, just kind of like a ghetto music video, have someone film them on a phone, cut it up into like three to five chunks, come up with a bunch of different hooks that you could put on the song. And then with all those combinations, you end up with like four parts per song, three three areas, 12 posts, and then you have multiple hooks. So you have, you could reuse posts and just use different hooks or cut them up in different ways. And you could pretty quickly doing that end up with 30 posts. Never mind if you're naturally filming stuff, like when you're when you're recording or when you're in the studio or something, you're just filming some clips. And then now you have like a, like a dozen other clips. But what are some strategies you use to help people with creating content um, that's genuine and doesn't suck. Yeah, um, that is the big one, which I'm glad it's not just me that's encouraging artists to do this. So part of what we do at Simple, we run ads for artists, but we also do organic content consulting. And the easiest way, because again, artists hate social media, like I get it, it blows, you just want to play music and you know, that that's it. But you can't ignore social. So kind of like the middle ground I've found with artists is I just tell them like, yo, like, you know, if we're on FaceTime or on a Zoom call, I just tell them like prop up your iPhone on like your your drawer. And then they're like, what? Like, I thought we were talking about like TikTok. Like, why are we, why are you, why are you making me do this? And I tell them just do it real quick. So then they do that. And then I tell them back away from the camera. And then they're just standing in the middle of the room and they're like, okay, like, what am I doing now? I'm like, you're a TikToker now. Like, that, that's all it takes. You know, you could buy a tripod eventually, but whatever, that's all you have to do. What I need you to do next, once we get off this call, I'm gonna hang up now. Just keep this same frame, play your song on a speaker or whatever, and just lip sync to it. If you're an instrumental artist, cause that's always a big ass excuse I get, I'm instrumental, I don't sing. Just pull out the guitar, pull out the keyboard, pull out the MacBook if you're a DJ, like that's funny, whatever, and just perform. Perform your full song, whether it's a minute, two minutes, three minutes, perform your full song. And then like you said, you know, cut it up into 15, 30 second parts and just play with the hook. That's all you have to do. Bam, infinite content right there. All you have to do is just think of text on screen, which we 
in addition to simple, I co-founded a bootstrap startup called Leveler, which is more focused on TikTok and short form content creation. We literally have uh, ChatGPT installed on the app, pre-programmed with really successful hooks that we've seen from artists, over 500 different artists, over 5,000 different successful posts. We have it pre-programmed or trained to understand what hooks work best. And you literally tell this AI bot like, hey, my song is about depression. I wrote it at the lowest point of my life, whatever. And it'll give you different ideas for hooks like that. And, and that helps artists put out content that one does not suck and to understand content that has been successful on the platform. Because we also show you what artists in your niche and genre are doing that have been proven to be successful as well. So it, it's not hard. Artists just don't know, which is fine. But when they don't know and they're just rejecting everything, as soon as you start to bring it up, because that happens all the time for me on con consults, and I'm sure it happens to you too. Like when you start talking about organic, they're like, "No, nah, I, I don't do that," or like, "No, nah, I don't. I don't want to post. I don't have time. I, I have work. You have time to, you know, go out to eat with your friends. You have time to smoke weed. You have time to go down to the guitar center and play Smoke on the Water. You have time to create content. It's not hard. You just got to make the time." Totally. Yeah. And a lot of people ask me, and this is not like a weird flex or anything, but it might sound like it. <laughs> like, Andrew, how do you have so much time where you get all this stuff done? Like you have this YouTube channel, you're posting social media, you're doing this, you have like your own music stuff. And the, the answer is zero social life. <laughs> like the answer is I sacrifice a whole lot of yeah. shit to do the stuff I want to do. Um, and that's an unfortunate reality of being a music artist. If you have a full-time job or family or whatever, you, you're very likely going to have to make some sacrifices in your life, whether that's something as small as, oh, you play an hour of video games a day, maybe only play a half an hour a day, or maybe only play one hour, three nights a week. And then the other, the other four nights a week, you just gave yourself four hours a week to create content, which that's more than enough to have daily content. Like you, you I don't think you need four hours a week to have daily content. I think with two hours a week, you could pull off having post every single day of the week. Oh, yeah. So hundred percent. And there's a lot of tools I think that help most you people, automate it too, or not even just automate the whole thing, but help you get ideas. Yeah. 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 Like you, you, like your, your software platform, which, which um, you won't be able to see it on this episode now, but I did, you, you gave me a demo last time. It's very cool. So everyone go definitely check that out. And there's a free version of it too where anyone can go and get some recommendations, right? Like, it, I think, right? Yeah, <laughs> well, correct. So, yeah, Leveler, again, is a app to where it's more TikTok-focused. So you can analyze your profile and kind of find some quick wins. So it lets you know, like, hey, these hashtags work. Hey, these hashtags are not working. And it also works for getting inspired. So the biggest thing... and. The reason this app came to fruition was because I've done so many one-on-one -on -one consults with artists to where the common questions about TikTok are just, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know how to get started. And I got started, but I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing or what to do next. So this app answers all those questions and it kind of shows you what artists in general on TikTok are doing that's been successful. So we pull in posts weekly to kind of show you like, hey, these posts did over like 10K views It, you know, put your own spin on it, get inspired from it, whatever. And the app is mainly free. The only thing you have to pay for is to add more artists to your dashboard. 
or to track uh, UGCs for a TikTok sound. So let's say you post a video and your TikTok sound starts to go viral. If you wanted to keep track of like how many creates is getting for day per day or how many videos it's getting per day, that's a paid feature. But for the you know regular artist that's just trying to figure out TikTok, it's completely free for you, and it's on purpose because why pay for more shit? You know that you, yeah. <laughs> you we already pay for so much. You know, so. Um, yeah, there's that. I, I think using using Leveler paired with a scheduler, like mm-hmm. I, I use Later.com, but there's like a million options out there. Like that that will save people a lot of time every week in this content thing. So like, it, yeah. it doesn't sound like a lot from the the get go, but scheduling seven days of content, not just across TikTok, but Instagram Reels, Facebook Reels, YouTube, Twitter, like whatever you're doing, it like it adds up, and so that's why I use a scheduler. No, yeah. I I refrain from using schedulers just because like, well, again, I'm not an artist anymore. So for me, it's like mainly everything kind of has to be in real time. Like if I had scheduled things, but then something happens, like we talked before we hit record, like, um, you know, Spotify's fans also like section getting fucked up or whatever recently, like that, that's something that I have to work on by end of day today because it's such like a priority so i wasn't able to schedule that so i just need to create the content but for artists i mean just going back to the example we said earlier um or that all about helping said too like if every weekend you go to like a new location and just film yourself lip singing your song or again if you're an instrumental artist or dj just bring the damn thing that you play with you and just perform that's a three minute video you'll have chop it up into five seven different segments with a new hook for each use leveler to come up with different hooks each and every single time schedule them through later and you'll never run out of content ideas it's literally that easy earlier you you were talking a little bit about hanging out on reddit and other communities and stuff to uh which i i've heard people refer to like like jesse cannon for example is called this like community marketing or <laughs> or something um finding your your micro niche or whatever words he uses but a lot of people have asked questions on that. How does this actually work in practice? Like, how do you go online and interact in communities and actually get anything useful out of it without being spammy? And mm-hmm. you were you specifically mentioned that, like, don't go and just spam your stuff. So let's say someone is a, I always use the generic pop or generic hip hop artist, but let's just say someone's in a hard rock band. They make music that sounds like Nickelback. <laughs> do you want to use a hypothetical uh, or do you want a concrete like strategy that I used for my own rock band that got signed and charted a billboard? Let's do that, actually. Yeah, because you, your, your band's a hard rock band and uh, mm-hmm. I've used a lot of pop and hip hop. So, yeah. Cool. Let's talk yeah. about you. Awesome. <laughs> I love doing that. Um, so, I, I don't. But... So again, to provide context, I was in a rock band called Dwellings and in my hometown, there are no venues. So again, the, I guess the success story of every artist is like, oh, they became the hometown heroes or they hit the road and they were successful. How the hell was I supposed to do that with no venues? Like the nearest venue was like three hours away. Like that was just not sustainable playing shows, whatever. So what I did we, we sounded like, or we appealed to fans of Dance Gavin Dance, Hail the Sun, 
Uh, it's a subgenre of rock music called, uh, or post-hardcore music called swancore. Um, if you know what that is, I'm sorry. And <laughs> there were a lot of fan groups, like fan-created Facebook groups, fan-created Reddit threads for the genre and for the artists that are within that genre. So what I did, it, I, I'm a fan of the music, right? So I was already a part of these groups anyway, but I just wasn't that active. And this group, fuck, there, there's like a whole history of this of this group and just how problematic they eventually became. Hopefully your genre or you know community of artists that you like are not problematic because- Are you talking yeah. about Dance Gavin Dance or your Yeah, band? Dance Gavin Dance, not my <laughs> band. Like, uh, okay. are, are you familiar with them, right? Yeah, yeah. I've never been a huge fan, but there's there's some songs that I've listened to for years. Cool. Yeah. Um, it was mainly the fa- well, the singer has that like it. anyway. Um, the okay, the fan so base. There, there's some controversial shit going on. Yeah. Now, but not at the time when I was you know trying to promote my music. So essentially, I was already part of these groups, and I just didn't really know how to use them to my advantage to promote my music. So what I started to do was just become very involved with these groups. And what I mean by that is just talking to people like you're not an artist when you're doing this, like whatever, just can refer to it as like community marketing or whatever. You are them. You are a fan. You are just another fan in this group. And that's a very bold statement because the goal is to, you know, get them to check out your music. But the way to do that is by relating to them, like building genuine friendships and it's a long process. Like this is probably not sustainable to do. Like this is probably something I would recommend people to do if they have time. I had a fuck ton of time fresh out of high school figuring my life out. So I had no problem in doing this. I was very active in these groups, commenting on as many things as possible. You know, like typically what you see in a fan group is like, OMG, this artist, you know, he has a new guitar rig or whatever, or oh, they're playing in XYZ City, I wish I could go see them, or here are, here's five of their albums, how would you rank them from, you know, five to one, you know, best to worst or whatever. Respond to all of them. Respond to all the comments on there. Make memes and share them in these fan groups because those get a ton of engagement. I made so many dance game and dance memes. I wish I still had access to my old Facebook profile to like compile everything that I did because man, I was super active in these groups. And I <laughs> I think, you know, Dance Gamma Dance and Swan posting for the success of my previous band because I was fucking active and I was adding everybody. Like literally, I would just sit there, I would go through the members, add, 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 add everybody. Because when you have a ginormous friends list on Facebook and you post in the group, they get notified. Or if you comment on something, they know they get notified. So from my perspective, I was like, okay, I'm getting a ton of eyeballs. I'm getting a lot of impressions from these people because I'm so active in the group and I'm adding a lot of people that then my personal Facebook, every time I would post about my band, these same people that I'm talking to in the group, mm. not about my band, are then checking out my band. Like, oh shit, this guy was just talking to me like a normal person. Or like we were just gawking over Dance Game and Dance and I didn't know he's in a band. Oh shit, this band is obviously influenced by dance game and dance we actually were not but whatever we fit into that genre and they were like whoa like this human spoke to me like he didn't shove his music down my throat i'm gonna support him because he's a cool guy like that's literally all it is just make friends online like it takes a long time fuck it took so much time it's not an overnight thing i yeah. i want to say when we first released our two our first two songs 
uh, Lemonade and Foreverist, which I think are the two most, no, they're not the two most streamed last time I checked. I, I don't know, but they were like the two unsigned songs that they, that we put out together. And, um, I think it took a long ass time to get to our first 1000 followers on Spotify. I need to check the timeline on like Charmetric or something, but that you know chart that you see go from like 100 followers like slowly going up and then it just spikes yeah. was just me building up that foundation in these groups talking to people and then me figuring out facebook group uh, facebook ads manager and being able to retarget people and make my own funnels and whatnot but that strategy of like being involved with these groups takes a long time but it's worth it in my opinion if you have the time yeah but at the same time now if you have the time is it worth it more to create content for TikTok, or is it worth more talking to people endlessly online? You know, at least with TikTok, you can see like, you know, X amount of posts in, X amount of Spotify followers out, or whatever. It's going to be kind of hard to measure that with, you know, interacting with people on Facebook, Reddit, etc. But it's yeah. that much more impactful. You know, like ten fans gained from here might hold more weight than ten fans from here. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Right. I. I don't have the time to test those two things out. But if anyone is interested in doing that and letting me know what you find, I'm all for it. Probably depends on the artist and the genre. And because I feel like there's probably a lot of opportunities when you're in a genre or you're an artist that would align very well with like a cult community. You know, like certain, like a lot of rock and metal stuff is, is kind of more culty than like pop, hip hop, EDM. I found like I've noticed everything I've ever promoted in, in metal, the follow rate is much higher than pop, hip hop, EDM. And I think it's because pop and hip hop and EDM people are used to getting music shoved in their face all the time. So like why follow any artist? There's infinite music. But when you find like a good metal band that you like, it's like, oh, there's like there's like 10 bands in the world that do what I like. So you follow every single one of them. Like if you like Tesseract, when you find Sky Harbor, you're like, oh, my God, you know, <laughs> I have to follow these guys. Um, and I want so I wonder for those more mainstream ones where maybe the the genre communities are less advantageous or maybe they're just so broad. That's when it makes sense to go into like micro uh, like music adjacent communities or like, mm -hmm. let's say your your branding is very like. Anime esque. You're just hanging out and chatting with people who, I don't know. Like, I feel like there's other opportunities in that. I've heard of some people get good results by interacting like Minecraft communities for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Because the artist was like huge into Minecraft. And they're like, their artwork and the music style it was like this instrumental style stuff where they did good results inter like trying to inter interact with those kinds of people. Um, no, yeah. But I think there was like a Fortnite strategy at some point to where like you would send on TikTok in particular you would send like your music to these big fortnite channels like compilation channels and they would put your music behind it and because fortnite fans like yeah. you know I, I don't know much about them so i can't really comment my brother used to play fortnite so that's all i can say um they they really liked whatever songs were on these compilation videos and they would really drive streaming so yeah i don't know it's it's weird but yeah. like you were saying yeah I, I think it definitely depends on the genre because swan core or post hardcore or rock or metal is just a drop in the bucket compared to all these other bigger genres and yeah i've, I've noticed the same thing too follow rates for non 
you know, niche genres or rock slash alternative or whatever um, is, is significantly lower in comparison to that. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's see. We've talked about multiple types of organic, but we haven't talked about ads yet, which is funny because we both talk a lot about ads. We've talked a little bit about ads, but we mm -hmm. haven't talked about various things that we can do with that. So uh, let's talk about the types of ad campaigns that you found to be most beneficial for most artists? Yeah, it all starts with organic. Um, <laughs> truthfully, like that's like my biggest takeaway from, you know, in the last year that, you know, before a lot of the ads that we were running were just like cut downs of music videos or cut downs of like, you know, live montages or tour diaries or with like the music slapped over it. Um, what I found in the last year, year and a half is that whatever organic content is working, just repurpose that for ads, but also really playing around with like the text on screen hooks or even just straight out, you know, calling out, you know, artists that you're targeting, which, uh, this band that I'm working with that's signed to, um, fuck, what are they signed to? Uh, they're signed to a big rock label. They're called the funeral portrait. I, the name is on the tip of my tongue. The, the label I hope the label doesn't see this but um <laughs> they they have they find success in like TikTok content that's like motionless and white my chemical romance and ghost if you like those three bands you'll like us and then it goes to like the music video like that content has worked well with ads as well so literally the types of campaigns is still like the tried and true conversions like you can't not do conversion campaigns like fuck link click campaigns and Yep. Pretty much everyone who's watching this already knows that, I would assume. If you don't, just check out Andrew's content or my content um, to get started with that. But yeah, that, that's like my biggest takeaway and like my my secret sauce right now is just really getting artists that are willing to post on organic social and go through the trial and error side of things on there and then take that successful content and put it through ads. If they are not active on organic social, I kind of force them to. Um, and if not for their own organic content marketing efforts, at least for the ads. So I just tell them, yo, like tell me what your song is about. I'll create some hooks. I don't care. Um, and that I think has added another competitive advantage to our services offering. Cause you know, you have an agency, I have an agency, we run ads. But one yeah. thing that I'm doing rather than like charging less or charging more, cause B2B is always, you know, a race to the bottom who can, who can charge less and, it happens with musicians like fuck like with yeah. everything graphic design producers whatever but for me it's like instead of reinventing the wheel or trying to change their pricing or whatever like let's just add more to our offering if an artist comes to us and they just have a music video and that just isn't going to cut it because we know that you know based off of our findings in the last you know year plus let's coach them on tiktok content like we have the resources to do that at scale with apps like leveler now we have mm -hmm. a way to just pull content references based off a genre pretty quickly. So let's just roll with that. And again, just instead of reinventing the wheel, we're just adding more to our service offering. Like we run ads, but we also kind of coach you or show you what exactly it is that you need to do on the organic side. If you're smart, you'll do it on the organic side, but the purpose of it is for you to um, give us more content to use to A-B test on, on ads. So that's my biggest strategy and what I've seen work best nothing else has really changed. I mean, we don't have to do the custom domain thing anymore. Thank God. I know yeah. <laughs> eventually cookies are going to go away. So I, I don't know what that 
it's going to look like in, in 2024 with like Google Chrome doing all this like cookie future stuff. But I'm optimistic because, again, most of the artists we work with are open to organic content strategies. And it's just so important if, if you haven't. This podcast is just going to be called Organic Content. Like literally, like that's all I've been talking <laughs> yeah. about. But it, it's just that important. Yeah. This is coming from an ads guy. This is coming from a music paid ads agency owner. Like how important organic yeah. is. It, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're two people who always talk about ads who are gushing about organic. <laughs> now, uh, in terms of the specific objectives of the campaigns, uh, what kind of campaigns have you found so obviously conversions, conversions, everything. So that kind of covers the whole Spotify thing. But um, when, how much have you done in terms of like lead generation, merch campaigns, tour promotion campaigns, and what have you found worked worked good or didn't work good for those types of campaigns? Yeah. So on my team, um, we've worked with collectively. We've worked with a variety of different artists, um, signed to various different labels, unsigned as well. And the general consensus is that for merch specific ads, like the carousel type of post with like the shirt, like the spreads, the different vinyl variants, whatever, like, you know what I mean? Um, Those tend to work better than like music video clips with like the merch overlaid. Like that was what worked for me personally, like whenever I would run merch ads for clients, but I'm starting to see the carousels kind of come back. I think in 2020 and 2021, what I saw working very well was like those instant pages that are generated through like Meta mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, you know, you just got to hook yeah. up your Shopify catalog and you can, you know, do those because like the load time is just like instant. Um, I have not tested those as of recent, so I can't really speak to that. But what we have been finding success in for merch campaigns is just like those spreads via like carousels and mm-hmm. for touring and selling tickets, just more interest based. Tar- so, there's two main like interest, two main like show type of campaigns that we're running, which oddly enough, you said that you were running some, I believe. Um, yeah. The the biggest one that we're doing right now is a, this festival or like this rave called Anime Rave. And Andrew and I were talking about this the other day to where it's like insert niche name rave. So like Barbie <laughs> rave that there's a Dragon Ball Z orchestra in Canada. Like I found out like what the, f- you know what I mean? So it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And it's all just like, you know, you target people that are interested in anime and narrow it by EDM. Boom. Like you'll make money. So just any, and that even translates into music too. Like if it's, you know, we worked with this hyper pop artist called Toyko back in 2020 and 2021. And a lot of their creatives was like this cyberpunk, you know, anime art style type of creatives with like rain and whatnot. And we were just targeting people that were like fans of anime and narrowed it by EDM music, like the same for like the anime Raven that converted very well. So just any type of non music related or just non music specific targetings that you can do are are always great. Um, Yeah. I mean, like for, for merch that pretty much covers it and touring packages we, we create mini funnels for tour packages as well. So like kind of the same concept of like just targeting the tier one countries or whatever to drive streaming, but do that for the, you know, areas that you're going to tour in. So if you're from the U S if you're going to tour on like the West coast or the East coast, like focus your ad spend on those States for just like top of funnel, like go to Spotify or whatever, and then re-engage with those people um, and be like, yo, we're going on tour. Like we might be coming to a city near you. 
uh, I'm too lazy to go in and type in like specific like California, <laughs> we're coming soon or Vegas, we're coming. Like like I just target everybody and do that. I had a, a tour I was working on where the artist was doing a 50, it was a 50 date US tour. Mm-hmm. And they wanted my help running the ads for it. So we literally had 50 different campaigns, one for each date. Each campaign had two ad sets, one for retargeting, one for cold targeting with like the budget allocated differently for each one. And every single ad had customized text for the specific city, time and venue. name. So you can imagine how much work that was uh, building all that and then optimizing it because every, every campaign did differently. Like some of the retargeting was great. Some of the retargeting sucked. So, and then like every ad set had like three or four ad creatives or something too. So freaking nightmare. Uh, so no, when yeah. Anthony says it's a lot of work and he's too lazy to do it, it's a lot of work and you don't necessarily have to do it, but uh, it, it can be helpful <laughs> to be able to say like, you know, we're coming to uh, San Francisco on August 27th at 7 p.m. at this venue that you know and love kind of thing. You know, it's it's having that specificity, I think, gets people's attention. If they're like, oh, that's where I'm from, you know, that makes the ad feel less generic in that way. But also probably not necessary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it just depends. Because, um, yeah, for example, for the We Touch Grass anime rave, uh, we're doing exactly what you said, but with like 10 or 12 different creatives. Um, it's fucking nuts. But the the thing with that one is that they have a lot of like social proof type of content for the, the raves. So like, um, you know, they have videos of like recaps from like shows in Toronto and just people going crazy mm-hmm. or like, you know, here's this like Demon Slayer, like when the DJ starts playing Demon Slayer, you know, like organic content that we're using as ads to really optimize the cost per ticket sale and that it's so profitable it's it's nuts like the ROAS is is crazy return on ad spend is crazy so um it's worth it it's very labor intensive but that's why we get hired to do this stuff you know um yeah I'm not the one you know having to change the text and all that shit someone else does on my team so I mean whatever but um (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I've i seen other people, what they do is the, the artist for every single date, they film separate video ads for it, for the retargeting portion at least. So they'll sit down to get the whole band and they'll say like, hey, hey, Orlando, it's so-and-so and we're coming to you on this date. So they're like talking to their audience and then they film it for every single every single venue they're stopping at um, and sometimes multiple copies of each, but then we'll, we only use those for the retargeting, but then for the cold targeting, we're using uh, usually organic type content, whether it was actually posted organic or it just feels organic, like live footage, performance footage, um, home studio, lip syncs, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it, it can definitely be profitable. Um, of no, course, yeah. it d- depends on how much traction the artist has. Like if, if you're a new artist with no audience and you're playing a venue that has like 150 people, 150 capacity or something like it's hard convincing people who don't care about you to come. You can do it, but it's 
if you have no retargeting, it, it's I think it's harder. No, yeah, hundred percent. Couldn't have said it better, to be honest. Cool, cool. <laughs> for the for the merch thing, um, have you done any free plus shipping and handling stuff? You know, that's the one thing I have not had the opportunity to do. Most of the artists we work with on like the e-com side are signed to record labels to where, you know, yeah. you don't you don't see record labels doing those free plus shipping and handling funnels, unfortunately. And I, I think they're they're genius in the fact of like getting more conversions that way if you know, even if they take a hit on the profit margin. But you know, yeah, record labels and not unfortunately, I mean, with, with good reason, they are very concerned with numbers so that, you know, the cost of like the ad spend and our time and labor, you know, it's obviously being recouped yeah. by the artists just so it's not unfair. But no, I've actually not. I, I understand it outside of music. I, I have ran those campaigns in the past for like, you know, books and, and you know, just products. Mm -hmm. But it's been a long time since I've ran campaigns like that. I'm, I'm talking like 2019, 2018, when I worked at like a at a marketing agency for real businesses. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, you've done campaigns for like books and products, I'm guessing courses and all that stuff too. Yeah. Across the board, you know, I, I used to work at a marketing agency here in my local town that, um, again, did it for like various different, uh, services based businesses, uh, e-commerce companies and, and things like that. So I, I have a pretty, uh, well-rounded palette of like different campaigns I've, I've ran in the past. So, yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I get a decent amount of questions of, from different types of people that like, Oh, I'm a music producer and I want to sell beats or I'm a, uh, my day job is I have this business where I sell this product and like, how do I advertise it? And, um, for the most part, it's, it's really the same. Like you're running a purchase conversion campaign and, running ads on it. The only difference is in many ways, it's actually easier because your product actually has value. Whereas like music uh, is basically like, un if you don't like a song, that music and all of the products around it are literally worthless. Like you could not pay me to go to certain artists concerts, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, you could give me free tickets to almost any country artist and say, I'll give you a signed vinyl and a t-shirt. And I'd be like, <laughs> I don't really want to, right. but there's people who would pay a thousand bucks for that. Right. And, and that's the tricky thing with music is that like everything you you're doing is like inherently worthless until people love it. And then it's worth as much as anyone's willing to pay for it. And there's like almost no other thing in the world for advertising. That's like that. You know, every other product mm. you're selling like a sample pack, a beat, a course, product a widget it's like it has value inherently whether you like the person who created it or not <laughs> right yeah i mean i've seen that there was this really good article um a while back i i forgot who wrote it but it was like the the value of a spotify follower or something like they did the math there was like each fan is like worth a dollar or something I, I don't know i'm just throwing out numbers out there but Maybe I'll find the article and I'll send it to you after. But it was just interesting how they put like, you know, let's say you get a thousand fans and your conversion rate is like 2% or whatever, 3%. And if those, you know, spend X amount of dollars, like 
now you know how much how many fans you need to make like a living off of it which you know Ari, you know from like Ari's take has like a bunch of examples of like artists crushing it through like paid subscriptions and like patreon and stuff but it's just really hard to to really get people to invest in you as an artist i've found especially when you're starting out so i'm i'm kind of weary about like those success stories that you see and then you you know go on their instagram and they have like a thousand followers or three thousand followers and it's like they're making minimum wage off of patreon subscriptions and it's like it not just anyone can do that unfortunately like you you really need yeah. to stand out and and be like you know likable and and have content and the the issue with that i have too is like artists aren't even posting on their own fucking tiktok or instagram channels you mean to tell me you want people to pay you money to post content and be responsible enough to keep up with it like you can't even keep up with your own yeah. instagram and spotify <laughs> or instagram and, and tiktok you know what i mean so it's like you're just adding even more pressure now you're playing with people's money at that point so i don't know it, yeah. it's it's a weird one in, in my perspective but yeah i mean music is weird to where like you said there's just no real value like right there but the way i always phrase it to people is like you know the followers or it's like a compounding effect you know like eventually they'll be worth something you know even if they give you 100 streams it's like a couple pennies you know what i mean i think i don't know but i don't know the math yeah, on it's that. like a th it's like a third of a penny a stream or something so 100 streams is 33 cents i think yeah <laughs> yeah yeah 30, I mean, 33 ish cents depending on the countries if they all come from like the philippines or india they're like that's like 10 cents for 100 streams if they come from america they're like 42 cents a stream or, something, or for 200 streams or whatever but. right yeah <laughs> i don't know we gotta hit I, I do know some people have gotten amazing results with this membership communities but you're right where I don't think it can, it's necessarily for everyone. Like the people who've done great have done great because they, they, they came up with some unique offering that made them stand out. Like, like one artist. And if you end up watching this video artist, feel free to comment below and call yourself out about this. But, um, cause I forget your name. Otherwise I would call you out, but they, they're like an artist where the, one of the people is an artist. The other one is a graphic, like a graphic, designer novelist kind of person and so one person makes all the music the other person makes like a comic book for every song so every month they release one song for free on spotify with a free publicly available comic book or graphic not i forget what it was and then also every month they release one patreon exclusive song with a patreon exclusive comic book so it's like every song they release publicly it's like, if you love this, like you can join our Patreon and you'll get twice as much music, twice as many comic books. Very unique situation that most artists could not do. Another person is more of a producer and they make all of their um, Ableton Live sessions, et cetera, and like stems and stuff like that and unreleased music all available online as well as sample packs from songs. So they've kind of been able to pull in some of their more like music producery fans into their Patreon. Um, and then another guy I know makes like 30 grand a month on Patreon, but his is more because he's a YouTube creator. It is a music right. one, but it's like YouTuber meets YouTube or music creator. So he, I don't really count him, but those other Got two it. people make over again, not making a good living off of this, but their Patreons alone bring between two to $3,000 a month each person so you pair that with the spotify and the youtube and all that other jazz and they, they make a living off their music no yeah 100 percent. i think my 
my whole thing with the Patreon thing is like most artists are like precious about their music. So then they kind of get in their head to where like, why am I only going to like release this to a select group of people that are paying me? You know what I mean? Or like, I can only afford to record five songs a year. Like, you mean to tell me like half of my songs are going to be like kept in the vault and the other half are only going to be available to the public. Yeah. And if those are the types of questions you're asking yourself, then Patreon is not for you. I'm sorry for Patreon artists. Also, I don't mean this in a disrespect, but Patreon artists are like their own unique breed in that sense to where they're, I don't want to speak for them to where they're not precious about their music. But for me as a former musician, like, I was writing technical post hardcore, like rock music, like that takes time, you know, different time signatures, weird scales and rhythms and stuff. Like I want to showcase that shit everywhere. You know what I mean? So like, I'm very precious about my music. I don't want to keep it to a select group of people even behind a paywall. So it's just, it's a mindset that you got to put yourself into that. I I just personally could not do it. Um, It's hard. For your band, I like if obviously you're not even in this band anymore, but I think the move would be the Patreon would have like guitar lessons or instrument lessons or guitar tabs or stems or whatever. And then also behind yeah. the scenes, like I know someone else who makes a killing on Patreon and it's only like early access to songs and then exclusive behind the scenes content. And that's all they do. But I think like in your note, you're right. You're, you're never going to get half your catalog and keep it for Patreon only because those songs take, months to to make yeah. in many cases it's mainly for like the you know people who are, are fortunate enough to produce their own stuff or you know it's not intricate music which you know that's subjective whatever but i'm, I'm just talking for my own you know experience like we, we would not have been able to yeah. do that and and dwellings the band i was in they do have a patreon and i think I, i've i don't know how many patrons they have but i'm not in the band so i don't really care but from what i've understood is that they they were catering to like the musicians i follow them with like the guitar lessons and behind the scenes and Mm -hmm. new music and stuff like unreleased music or like older demos which that that's another thing too that you could do like songs that were like throwaways or that you just never put out like whatever throw them up on a patreon but it's just hard to to sustain it too because like you know fuck i pay for disney plus i pay for peacock i pay for this like now I got to pay for an artist. You know what I mean? It just adds up. And yeah, the, the economy, God, like, I don't even want to get into all that, you know? So it's to me, like, that's great if you can make money off of it, but maybe focus more on, you guessed it, organic content. And then you can focus on monetizing it later on, whether it is through Patreon or, you know, live stream shows of, you know, or going live on TikTok because that's a huge thing too. Um, there's, there's other ways. It doesn't have to be a recurring paywalled membership thing. Maybe it's like a discord where everyone can join and, you know, you, you do a live stream in there and they, they tip you through like Twitch or something or Twitch subs or whatever. So I don't know. There's different ways to monetize for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool, man. Well, I think we talked about everything we plan on talking about. Is there anything that you want to tell all the people watching that have, hung around over 50 minutes into this episode (laughs) start posting on social media organically you'll thank me later and if you don't know where to start check out leveler.app actually i just thought of one more question yeah tiktok versus instagram versus everything else like 
I've seen a bunch of different perspectives on this. Like some people are like, it's all about TikTok, nothing else matters. And then I look at a study and it's like, there's like TikTok's like the fourth most popular social media platform amongst Gen Z. It's like, it's not, it's not second. It's not first. It's like fourth. Might've been third actually, Mm -hmm. but it was like a dominant lead. Like YouTube was destroying it. YouTube was destroying Instagram and Instagram was destroying TikTok. Like each had like a 10% lead over the other. Um, do you think that there's one platform for like most people or do you think it just kind of depends on each artist or what? Yeah. Um, in marketing, like the answer 99% of the time is always, it depends. And for me, it, it kind of always is dependent on the artist. General rule of thumb is just focused on TikTok and Instagram in that order. Yeah. But it also depends on your genre. And it's kind of can be seen from both ways. Cause like I, I like to use country as an example. Like most country fans are on Facebook, but that Oliver Anthony guy went viral on TikTok. And then people on Facebook found out about him. And then when you think a couple years couple of years back, like he's he's not country, I don't think. I don't I've never listened to this guy, but like Teddy Swims, like he went viral and blew up because of Facebook, posting covers on Facebook and moms and, and older people were like gawking over him and sharing him. And yeah, I don't I don't know. It just really depends. You just really have to be available everywhere. And wherever it is that you yeah. see the bigger return, like double down on that. Like for me, if you look at my tick like for my own you know, business and for what I do. Um, I was really big on TikTok as far as like posting there and I wasn't really repurposing any of my content anywhere else because that's where I was seeing the biggest return. And I kind of put my blinders on, like I didn't really care about Facebook or YouTube or anything. But now I've found, you know, it probably would have been wiser to just have, you know, everything mirrored because there's an audience for my content everywhere. So I'm trying to be a little bit more responsible for that. I had kids, so like I stopped posting on TikTok a lot and you know, I kind of dropped the ball on the organic content game, but I'm I'm back now kind of had my second kid, so it's not my first rodeo, so I'm just trying to ease <laughs> all back into it. Uh hence this podcast. I haven't done a podcast in freaking forever. So, yeah, you know, life throws shit at you, but you you just got to, you know, respond in a in an efficient manner, but yeah, just yeah. pay attention to the data and then that that's kind of your answer, you know, as far as like where to focus on. Brilliant advice. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast. All your links will be in the description. So if you haven't heard of Anthony or his Leveler app or Simple, there'll be, <laughs> there'll be a link. Maybe we'll just make a link in bio just for this page so you can find all this stuff down below. Um, but yeah, thanks, man. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me on.